What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and AC Performance Systems, the only way to get the proper air conditioning into your nose through nasal breathing. And if you want to learn more about that, you can listen to my most recent podcast with Dave Castillo. But I guess this is now my most uh, recent podcast with Dave Drakes now joining us on the podcast. He is the sole proprietor of the Collective Experience, an experience like no other, bringing people closer to motocross than ever before. And it's an experience totally unlike anything else available in the pits, whether it be Supercross or Outdoors or maybe even one day Canadian Nationals. He goes by the name of Dave Drakes. Dave, how's it going? Pretty good, Brad. Just uh, still kind of week because the past weekend we just had it uh, red, but still trying to rest up and uh, get my head straight from the whole weekend. Man, it was nuts. Absolutely, uh, having you on for two times in as many weeks, and now we're heading into a small break. But uh, you were able to go to two nationals in a row, and uh, Millville is going to make it three. A little bit of a resurgence back to the races for you. Uh, I know you love to be trackside for these races because uh, nothing gives you the true scope of the speed and the ability of these racers than being trackside. Oh, exactly, especially with all the action that's going on this year. It's like, you know, how can you miss being at at an outdoor national, Um, especially like, you know, Southwick, uh, Millville, Redbud, these are all historic tracks, so any oh, chance yeah. you get to, to check them out, I mean, you, you almost have to, so uh, luckily this weekend, it wasn't nearly as hot as it was last weekend, no one passed out, I had a good time, so uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely one to remember. For sure, like if someone was to circle three must-go-to races, you're only able to go to three races all year long, uh, I would venture to guess that uh, these three would be selected more often than any others, and they happen to be back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And uh, and you yourself, like I said, trackside for a lot of these races, and uh, that's exactly the experience that people can get through the collective experience. They pay the fee, they get the, the access, they get in 
on the pit the, the pit party, whether it be arena uh, supercross or outdoors, they get uh, hands-on experience with these uh, these athletes. The, the, they're they're always a, a privateer athlete that uh, all, all all too often give you a better and closer experience than any factory pro can really give you. Because for the most part, like I've I've taken part in uh, some VIP experiences with with a couple of different teams, and uh, like you get somewhat close to the bikes, but nowhere close enough to touch one. But uh, at some point. Uh, Working with uh, the collective experience, uh, you might be able to uh, check a few ten mils on uh, tens and tens and eights on these uh, these high performance uh, race machines that are piloted by some uh, some high flying privateers. Exactly. So we're we're one of the only guys that really get you up close and personal. So I mean, you said it perfect. I mean, you're able to pick up a wrench and help some of these guys out because a lot of these privateers, you know, they really don't have a. a full-blown mechanic you know it might just be a friend of a friend or uh, or a girlfriend that's just there to give support so um yeah you're you're right there you're a member of the team you're you're just as important to them as their motorcycle is um and and they really appreciate the help but you're going behind the scenes all access are in the campers in the trailer um you're getting hooked up with tons of swag you're meeting all of their gear guys and a lot of their buddies and different sponsors so for a lot of people who are looking to go pro one day um we get a lot of those kids who are you know um, Loretta Lynn's kids, your kids who do a lot of the other amateur nationals that kind of sign up with us, and um, they get a, a full-blown um, sort of behind-the-scenes and like a precursor to what the pro race is going gonna, gonna to be like for them. Um, and it, it ends up being very, very valuable. They make a lot of great connections, a lot of uh, a lot of friends, a lot of um, connections within the industry, such as, um, like I said, gear or parts, or if you think that you're really going to need or going to be crucial to you. Um, not to mention, if you want to make a career out of this thing, it's really uh, not a bad idea to, to check it out and, uh, you know, befriend some of these riders or uh, somebody on one of these other teams, because it, it can really pay off for you. We've had a few guys that actually went on to be a mechanic full-time for a lot of these teams, so... Uh, we try to do our best, make sure everyone gets as in-depth and immersive experience as possible, all while having fun and making sure that we kick back uh, a large funding and portion um, of what we raise right back to the privateers. So everyone's winning, uh, everyone's having a good time, and just, we just want to make the sport grow as much as possible. Yes, sir, my friend. Uh, it's not always what you know, it's who you know, but if you happen to know some stuff and you want to bring it to the, the pit area of, uh, of a lucky pro like a Brandon Shar who uh, had uh, salvaged a pretty half-decent uh, half weekend, uh, all things considered. We'll get into that later on. But uh, you can give back to the privateer uh, community. You get the opportunity to crack the door open to maybe get a mechanics pass or uh, uh, you're, you're at least in the pits and you're, you're, you're possibly going to be able to shake some hands and uh, maybe one day you're applying for a job one day to, uh, to a Geico Honda. You, you go over there and talk to Kibby and he remembers you uh, uh, like dangling over the uh, the mechanics area, cheering on your guy from uh, from 2018, and and that memory sticks with him, and that's what gets you a job over at Geico Honda, spinning the wrenches for the uh, for the next R.J. Hampshire, who's actually injured now. So we'll get into that as well. But um, but yeah, this this is a great program, and uh, so where can people go and find out more information? Where can they sign up? And uh, more often, more importantly, where can they contact you to get involved? Um, it's really simple. Just head to thecollectivexp.com. Uh, click on the round you want to head to. Click on the rider you want to shadow. And it's one, two, three, simple. Um, you can also check us out at contact at thecollectivexp.com with any questions. Check us out on Instagram at thecollectivex. Um, you know, send us a DM, any questions you have, any special requests, and we'll be more than happy to get back to you guys. We respond almost immediately. Um, we get a lot of inquiries, a lot of people just wanting to talk about moto, and, hey, we're all for it. So, Anyway, we can help you guys out. We're um, we're more than happy to do that. 
Absolutely. When you're not designing and fine-tuning the latest and greatest from Harley-Davidson, who uh, we're, we're happy to, to announce today that they're coming out with a brand new line of motocross bikes, all the way up from the 50 to the 450F. That's actually official oh, starting man. today. And uh, and you've been a huge part of that. But uh, yeah, if, if you're not doing that stuff, you're, you're handling things over with the collective experience. And uh, I think every single podcast, we get better at weaving in one of these uh, like kind of like a quasi library, just to give people some information on how they can get uh, get involved with uh, your awesome program. Exactly, practice makes perfect. So I think by the end of the season, man, we'll be full blown pros. Just as a disclaimer, we definitely Brad is kidding about that. Just so I don't yes. lose my job. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred and ten percent. I tell nothing but lies when talking about uh, my knowledge of any uh, Harley Davidson motorcycles coming out or going away or what have you. But uh, unless Dave's... you know about something that I don't know, perfect. Yeah, hey, I might be on the inside. You don't know. Maybe maybe I got some sort of weird Canadian connection, as I usually exactly. do. But um, exactly. it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, as it always is, you, you bring uh, a certain flavor to the podcast. You, you have your own opinion on uh, these racers. You're a huge fan. You're one of the most positive guys in the pits, which uh, um, in, in amongst some people who, uh, like, for lack of better words, might be on suicide watch here and there uh, in, the, in the pits in, the, uh, in, in pro motocross, you're a breath of fresh air, I got to say. No, I, I appreciate that, man. It, it's honestly, it's hard not to be. I mean, you know what it's like when you have a huge passion for this sport and just being around it so much, man. It's, it's hard not to be positive about it. I mean, you're, we're getting a chance to, to see firsthand some of our some of our heroes, man, you know. And um, I, I argue with some of the fans that sign up for their program. And, you know, I'm I'm probably one of the biggest fans of all of these riders, you know. Riders like Ken Roxon or Luskin all the way down to like a Brennan Shaw or Henry Miller, man. It's just it's hard not to... Uh, not to be smiling ear to ear and, and wanting to have a good time when you're doing what you love. So. Absolutely, and you're never shy to, uh, to flash those pearly whites. But uh, <laughs> let's jump into this thing. The Red Bull Redbud National. We'll talk about the 250s first because uh, there's some exciting things to talk about in the 450s. But uh, like, let's just uh, take our hats off. If you're probably wearing a hat, you're in bed right now, so I assume you're not wearing a hat. But I'll take mine off. To Aaron Plessinger, uh, if he does win, he goes one-one, decimates the field. If he doesn't do that, he usually is like six-eight for fourth overall somehow. Um, the guy had himself a day in the sun. Red Bud uh, just made it his bitch. I alluded to that um, a couple. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before podcast, yeah. and um, it was you, you. You nailed it on the head. Um, we haven't really seen Aaron up front. And too many of these, like the last last two or three races or so. But when he does go up front, the guy absolutely kills it. So, like you said, hats off to him. Um, he rode awesome. I honestly, I don't think I've seen him ride this aggressive that early in a in quite a long time. And and I thought for sure that you know a track like this, Martin had it. We talked about it last week. You know, this was a Martin type of track, um, or even maybe someone like a like a McElrath. But uh, he kind of he kind of made us eat our words a little bit, and the guy came out swinging, man. He uh, his lines were awesome, uh, per you know Aaron Plessinger style. He was hopping around the rough stuff, looked super super at home. Um, stamina was awesome. He didn't seem to get tired or fade, and he just rode a masterful race. So 
it, uh, I think it put a lot of the other guys on notice that, hey, you know, he, he's a points leader. He's not going to let this thing just kind of, you know, sit back and, and let it fall into his hands. He's going to actually go out there and, uh, and make it happen. So um, if you were in attendance, you got a, you got a good show because that guy was riding on rails. And a riding clinic, I might also add. Impressive to see the guy do what he does. He does it at a quick speed and uh, made short work of both motos. Uh, got got himself into the lead, and I guess we'll, we'll kind of uh, begin the conversation with how he ended up uh, basically grabbing hold of the lead for the f- like for for good in the uh, the first two fifty moto. A uh, bit of a uh, like it's just some some dive bombing going on from and some close racing between him and Austin Forkner. Austin immediately goes to the outside line after the rollers, and uh, I couldn't have, I could couldn't think of a worse line choice in that in that instance. And um, the inside line in that turn was just so much faster if you could really make it go. Aaron Plessinger puts himself between himself and the next obstacle, and uh, I, I think. Either one of two things happened here. Austin Forkner didn't see Aaron like b- before it was kind of too late and wasn't able to let off early enough, or Austin really thought he'd be able to uh, complete the corner before uh, Aaron did. But either way, um, Austin Forkner ends up on the ground. He, fi- he He's clutching his knee, takes some time to get back up. The bike's completely twisted up, ends up... Uh, 35th, I think, on the moto, which is about as badly as I think anybody finished in that one. But uh, yeah, really, really, real bummer for him. And uh, yeah, uh, another race where Austin Forkner very well could have challenged for a, a win that he wasn't able to do so. Exactly. Uh, it almost looked like Forkner was trying to bulldog around the outside a little bit. And um, I, I think you said it well that the inside is way faster and the, the jump, the tabletop leading after it. It's like, even for these 250 guys, you really don't need much of a run to, to clear that thing. So um, the inside line was almost perfect. You can carry a lot of speed through it. It almost uh, You almost had to scrub it a little bit to, to kill some of your speed. So I'm not really sure where, where uh, Fortner's line was coming in. I mean, uh, I know it's always best to you know go where the other guy in front of you is in and try different lines. But I think that one was definitely a, a miss on Fortner's part. Um, you, you always have to be cognizant that these guys know exactly where you are on the track. And, uh, and Plessinger, the way he was riding, I'm sure he knew exactly what, what Fulton was going to do. Ran around the outside, closed that line off. Um, I don't think it was malicious. I think it was just a, a total racing line that anyone would have taken. Uh, I think Fulton was kind of in the wrong for that one. Definitely should have uh, kind of cut him under a little bit or, or gave him some re- breathing room. But, I mean, this is another race where Fulton kind of threw away what could have been a, a, a moto win. I mean, he's probably the only guy um, this weekend that showed that showed uh, Plessinger a wheel for a little bit. So um, it would have been interesting to see what, what would have happened if uh, Fortner stayed up, but uh, at least he kind of regrouped for Moto2 and um, put a charge in. That he did, uh, a decent moto in the second moto. But, uh, yeah, if I'm Austin Fortner, I'm doing, uh, and I'm hoping that I have a little bit more spatial awareness than he did in this moment where I'm able to... Uh, Maybe check up just slightly so that I can conti- like keep that momentum from that outside line and uh, have the lines cross over. Maybe carry that that uh, that momentum up that next jump face and uh, and at least come out even with Aaron. But uh, wasn't able to do so completely. Just uh, takes the impact and um, yeah, ends up going down in the process. Um, it's unfortunate to see him go down. I think that uh, obviously he's battling hard for a win, but uh, a lesson learned, move forward, and uh, 
for Austin Forkner, at the very least, over the last two weekends, you've been one of the fastest guys out there. You were the fastest lap in both motos, so clearly the speed is there, the fitness is there. You just got to put the pieces together. So uh, the, like, you can't hang your head too low, but uh, not getting the results that uh, the speed is showing. No, it's not. You know, he. Um it's making me feel bad because you know he's got the talent. You know he's got every, all the pieces, to, you know, to to put a, a, a solid, solid race together. Uh, and it's making me feel really bad for Mitch Payton and the PC guys, man. Between Savachi and him, and uh, you know, March Banks kind of having a uh, growing pains and a lo- little bit of a learning curve um, running with these top guys. AC um, Davalos. Really, yeah, exactly. You know, AC Davalos. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 just a tough year for those guys. It seems like, you know, after the uh, the Supercross incident with Osborne last year, this team has just been just unraveling a little bit. I mean, say for, you know, maybe a podium here and there, a win by Forkner late in outdoors last year. Um, it's just been, it's, it's been weird to see a team that was once so dominant have such, such great issues. So um, I, I do expect Forkner to, to get a, either a win or, um, or an overall eventually um, this season. He's riding too good. Um, and you know he's he's got to get some type of luck. You know we can't always get the uh, the crap into the stick. So um, yeah, it's just it's like I said, it's it's just another moto win that he's kind of thrown away. And um, Forkner, the way he rides, I mean the guy is a he's a title contender. You know, and and seeing seeing all these mistakes and the, and the crashes and the inconsistency here and there a little bit. That's um, it's you know it's it, it's tough. It's it's almost like you're kind of kind of throwing away what could have been a stellar season for you, but. Uh, you know, just we're only halfway through. We're a little bit over halfway, and um, you know he could still turn this thing around. I don't think he's um, in the spot to kind of nab uh, any any points towards a championship. Oh, you know, no, and make a run that, towards he, he is out of the championship race. Exactly. Let me, let me exactly. But I mean, thing. the most he could hope he for is, is uh, overall like a win, like I said. So um, yeah, hopefully he makes that happen, and, and uh, we could see some uh, some more action. Austin Forkner is right now. Fifth in points, nearly a hundred points down. Exactly, and then Plessinger's riding too well for yeah. for anything that could to to happen. Far, exactly, like you know, not even show up for the races, pretty much. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think uh, I think Forkner's best bet is uh, just to get some good finishes for sure, and he's he's certainly capable of them. Um, take this season uh, with a grain of salt, and 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 maybe look back on it and say, hey, we didn't win the championship. But we were able to uh, to show our best. Coming out next year, we'll be uh, we'll be on a brand new motorcycle. We'll be on a brand new uh, attitude and uh, and looking for a championship. But um, yep. like it, honestly, the the two of us, we like we're around the same age. I'm 30 this year. I think you're around the same. Are you not? Uh, 27. 27. Okay. So like we we literally grew up in the uh, Ivan Tedesco, Mike Brown. Yep. Brian Villapoto, Ben Townley, uh, yep, yep. Blake Baggett. Like, it goes on and on and on with Pro Circuit Championships. So it becomes a little bit like it's almost expected of this team to just produce riders that automatically ascend to the top step of the podium. But the reality is is that it, that's not always the way the way the cookie crumbles. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a drought season for... Uh, for PC, even though they do have uh, uh, one moto victory and two supercrosses to their credit this year, I think that's often that's already forgotten kind of thing that they've, they've already had that bad of a season. But 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's 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 weird to see. Like totally is weird to see, especially with like the triple championship with Villapoto, uh yep. one championship from Tedesco, same with Mike Brown, you name it. Exactly. It's you know, and and one hand, you know, I'm I'm kind of saddened by that a little bit. Like you said, you're bringing up the, the nostalgia of yesteryear, you know, the oh five, oh six, oh four runs, all that That's stuff. That's when we had posters um, on our walls. I still have them at my parents' house, so <laughs> those things are coming out anytime soon. There you go. Um, but then, you know, it, it also shows the elevation of the sport, you know, where some of these other 250 teams were, were just so far behind, just yards behind of where PC is. Now you're starting to see that kind of equalize where some of the other teams are getting the support and the, the talent and figuring out uh, bike set up and just their overall program where I think um, PC is kind of um, – Kind of elevated the sport a little bit and kind of uh, showed these guys how 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 you should operate. And now you've got uh, a bunch of PCs out there. You know what I mean? Geico Honda is is on fire. I mean, Star Racing Yamaha is probably the new PC if you want to say that, which is uh, rattling off championships regu- relatively consistently. So um, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's good. You know, a rising tide raises all ships, but then the competition gets a little stiffer. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, and, it, and it does add some parity to the sport, too. You know, you never know who's going to win. All the bikes are so equal right now. You could see a KTM up front one weekend, could be a PC Cowie. The next one, he's might be a Yamaha, and then Geico next. So um, it, it does make the sport better. But, I mean, you know, just being, being you know, our, where we came from in the sport, it's, uh, it, it's a, it is a little different to see anyone but PC winning. Yes, sir. Gone are the days where KTM was uh, either Grant Langston or Steve Boniface, and that's it. We've got a ton of contenders <laughs> yep. now. And uh, second place on your podium for the weekend, none other than Alex Martin. He swaps out motor finishes with Dylan Ferrandis, who uh, does I don't think knows how to do a start on a motorcycle, which is hampering his results right now. But, uh, yeah, swap out motor scores. Amart uh, gets second place. But uh, second place is no good right now. He needs wins. Exactly. And uh, I'll say it again. You and I talked about it. This is definitely an Amart style track. It's very, very similar in, in dirt style and, and, and terrain yeah. to, uh, to to a Millville. You know, they don't really, you know, they don't really have the huge uphills and downhills, but still, this guy has enough elevation changes to where it's almost similar to his home track. So, really expecting him to be up there. I know his starts weren't the best, but um, yeah, he he's really he really needs to uh, needs to nab a win. Um, uh, it looks as though he's a little behind the eight ball in terms of uh, his his pace in the the middle of the of the races so mm-hmm. i don't know if that has to do with stamina or just uh nerves or him getting it in his own head yeah. but you know on any given weekend the guy has the speed to run with anybody i mean he's just as fast as plasing is just as fast as Forkner and these guys that are that are making a push for the for the top two and, and, and the top podium spot so it, i think it's only a matter of time before we see it but i mean it, it, he's got to make it happen now um i it, it's 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 going to be really tough to see that this guy can uh can make something happen if you know if we're not if we're not seeing it. So, uh, you know, his home race is next weekend. Maybe he'll uh, turn things around, feel a little more comfortable. With, you know, hometown race, uh, his family understands and stuff like that. But um, it, it's it's going to be an uphill battle for him if he keeps uh, keeps giving these guys positions like that. A hundred percent, I totally agree. Um, one thing that's kind of been sticking out to me, or may, like I could be completely wrong on this. I hope that Tyler Keefe over at uh, uh, KTM calls me up and says that I'm dead wrong. But uh, between the very irregular and erratic 
uh, finishes from Jordan Smith and uh, and Sean Cantrell, as well as like the the sometimes on, sometimes completely off speeds of uh, of, Sh- of Shane McElrath, and honestly, some of the crashes from from uh, Alex Martin. I th- like it. Every th- all those signs suggest to me of a bike that is not handling the way the riders want it to right now. I'm not saying it's a it's a poorly handling motorcycle, but I feel like those guys have some work to do as far as getting that bike to handle the way they want it to. Like like Alex Martin has never been a crasher, not on 1110 mods, not on uh Cycle Trader, not on uh the the star team he's never been that type of guy and he seems to have tip overs and just these oddball moments and I I can't help but think that uh, the bike is just not uh, not handling the way he would hope it would and uh, if that maybe is like kind of behind the eight ball as far as testing goes or, or just something like with the something funky with the the chassis in that motorcycle uh, not agreeing with uh, the two pilots that even though they're able to get close to the top. Um, yeah, I, I think that there, that might be a little bit of thorn in their side. I think they've both kind of mentioned it in like subtly in some of the uh, the interviews as well. Like we're seven races into this thing and they're still talking about testing. Like, yeah, you should kind of know yep. your bike by now. Yes, no. Yeah, and you can kind of see it a little bit, especially in the uh, some of the downhill sections uh, from this from this past weekend. You can see the front end kind of getting a little twitchy as it's heading down the hill in some of the rougher sections and. Um, I'm not sure if that's just individual setup, but you're seeing it on a few, a few guys' bikes. So um, it, it def- definitely does seem like that. And you, you brought up a good point. Martin has never been much of a crasher. I mean, he'll, you know, he's in the past, he's blown up bikes plenty, you know, especially on uh, some of his other teams. But um, he definitely has not been a crasher. So, I mean, that, that could be a definite sign right there that this, these guys aren't driving with the bike setup at all. So, um, I mean, hopefully they, they get it figured out sooner than later. But, I mean, they're – at an elite team like this should not should not have setup issues this late in the season. I mean, I don't think their bike is all that different from their uh, 2017 setup. So to um, yeah, to be having these issues this late in the season and and with guys that you know can can potentially win them a title, it's uh, it's it's tough to see. I mean, it's um, it's almost borderline unacceptable at this point, you know. I completely agree, and uh, yeah, I think they definitely need to get that thing sorted out. And if if uh, maybe if this week off uh, is 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 truly successful, we'll see uh, a resurgent uh, down the stretch here from uh, from both Alex and Shane. Both of them end up inside the top five. In fact, uh, the top five goes Star Racing. Uh, TLD KTM, Star Racing TLD KTM, and then a very quiet day somehow. And this is not easy to do. Eight seven for fifth overall from Cooper uh, from Justin Cooper. Uh, pretty quiet day from the guy. You didn't hear from him too much. Exactly. Um, especially since we've we've seen flashes of him in the past couple of races. You know him being that breakout rookie. Uh, but yeah, I I think this uh, this track was giving a lot of guys some issues and it was very very rough. So. Uh, you know, fifth overall is n- nothing to uh, nothing to scoff at, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, you can you can definitely tell like, a lot of the a lot of the newer guys who were new to this track were, were having some hard times figuring out lines and and um, and linking things together. Where some of the more seasoned guys like Plessinger and and uh, McElrath and Martin, those guys kind of had their lines picked out. They were a little bit more flowy and and stuff like that. So um, and it's really weird when you see an eight seven get your fifth overall. That's why you, that's why you know a lot of these guys are having some some major issues in their motos. Um, but uh, I think um, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think Justin Cooper has ridden Millville once or twice, so maybe next weekend with the track he's more familiar with, he might, uh, he might, might show us something a little bit. So um, still, hats off to him. Uh, you know, I'd much rather have a, a quiet race about one of these guys in a race like, uh, like a fork they're going 35-2 or, or like a weekend like Eli had. So I'm sure he's still, he's still pretty grateful for it. Nobody had a, uh, a weekend like Eli Tomac. We're going to get into that, but yeah. I think the only way that a, a seven, eight seven for fifth overall is possible is when uh, the second place rider from the first moto scores no points in the second moto, and the uh, the thirty fifth rider from the first moto gets second in the second moto. Those types of scores will get you uh, it will get you just outside the top five, but allow uh, an eight seven to end up uh, pretty close to the box. Even the fact that uh, Jay, Chase Sexton with an eleven six uh, ends up with six overall, uh, you know that there's a, a pretty big jumble up with the uh, the overalls there. But uh, um, another quiet day from Sexton. I realize this is, I guess, his second full year doing outdoors, but uh, I think the kid's starting to figure it out. Um, same goes for uh, like uh, Michael Moseman and, uh, and, and, and Mitchell Harrison. All three of those guys are kind of interchangeable right now. They're, uh, they're kind of start dependent based on uh, where their finishes are. But, uh, yeah, like those three guys, along with uh, Jordan Bailey and Colt Nichols, you kind of just throw those guys in a, a randomator and, uh, and see what happens at the end of the moto. It's like the, they all, they've all got speed. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like that. It's pretty much whoever has a start and whoever, you know, the light switch goes on for them that weekend is, yeah. is, is going to uh, get, get as top spot. But like you said, those guys are all kind of in the same sort of bubble. Um, it it kind of – Sexton seems like he's the one that kind of shines a little bit more. He's yeah. got a little, a little bit more talent. Um, he's got a little bit more stamina than the rest of these guys, um, especially someone like a Bailey who's, you know, a super rookie. And he's, he's only, what, six, seven races in. Um, and Colt Nichols, which is a guy that's typically, you know, uh, a top five guy, top three in Supercross, um, just coming back from that injury, I think he's, it's going to take him some time to kind of get his, get his feet in the right. again. And, he and was get also down in the first guys. corner on the second moto as well. So coming yeah, back to his yeah. 17th, that's nothing to sneeze at. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I think for, for those guys, it's just whoever gets a better start and uh, whoever, whoever's doing the best that weekend. And you'll, you'll typically see them... Um, Kind of trying to stick it up front, um, but it, it's nice to see Nozeman and, and Harrison with the top ten. Those guys are they they struggle some weekends, so it's good to see that uh, they're they're putting the the Husky in, a, in some decent positions. Uh, some injury updates, and I actually don't have a ton of updates as far as the condition or recovery time for these riders. But uh, RJ Hampshire is going to miss some time. Uh, went down the first corner, and I think that was a dislocated shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. If not something, it was uh, something along those lines. Just have to double check his Instagram. We'll check that in the podcast because this is great radio. Um, <laughs> but uh, same thing for uh, March Banks, which I, I assume would have uh, he probably had something uh, going on with the. Uh, yeah, it doesn't say what the injury was for Hampshire, but I imagine something that wasn't allowing him to continue, and I think he's going to be out for some time. Uh, one yeah. can only imagine that Sean Cantrell also injured with a 38th in the first moto and a DNS in the second moto, um, so he wasn't able to uh, to continue on throughout that day. So probably uh, more than a, a couple of bikes will be sit- sitting idle in two weeks' time in Millville. Uh, is, was there any update on Jimmy Dakotas as to why he went 
27-24? Like, was it crashes in both motos, or uh, is it, there's, there seems to be trouble in the uh, the 47 camp? Oh, definitely. Um, you could definitely tell he's he's off his game a little bit. I mean, you know, he is coming off of a coming off some injury and stuff like yeah, that. He set out injury, the no first couple of races. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't know if he's pooped or what, but um, yeah, he had he had mid pack starts, not the best, but the guy just seemed to be going backwards, you know, farther and farther each each uh, each lap. And you, you know, the guy's got talent. He's on a, a factory team, you know. I mean, yeah. I know they have a lot of faith in him, and um, they. And you, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, saying that okay, he he had a back injury, he had uh, that whole that whole bout with uh, with Lyme and everything, and um, you know he really had some back to back bad luck. But then, but you see a guy that comes out and and just starts swinging like a like a Colt Nichols or a Ferrandis or one of these guys, and um, it, it's it's it, it's hard to do that, you know. Um, and he's getting beat by a lot of these rookies, so. You know, I'm a I'm a Jimmy D fan. I grew up racing with the guy. Oh, he's a definitely a good kid. Yeah, exactly. You know, good kid. Um, but man, I I would hate to see that guy lose a ride over some bad finishes like this because you know he's capable of so much more. Um, I'm I'm hoping it's just uh, something that's mental or uh, just him getting his getting his uh, his his race mojo back after being off for so long. But um, I I really want him just for just for Jimmy's sake. I want to see him get a. Uh, a, a top ten or something, just to just to give the fans something and show his team that hey, you know, I I do deserve this ride. I do deserve to to be up front with these guys, and uh, I'm putting the work in. So, um, hopefully, he turns it around and we can see some more out of Jimmy because it's it's definitely tough for a lot of us uh, Jimmy fans out there. Yes, two weeks off now. He's got some time to sort them sing, th- sort some things out. Maybe comes back a little bit more speed, a little bit more fitness, and when he does so, he'll be joined by. Uh, Enzo Lopes, who's uh, back on the bike after uh, only uh, 21 days after breaking a collarbone. He's uh, back on the motorcycle, so that kid's tough as nails. And um, yeah, JGR will have uh, four bikes on the track, five bikes actually, with uh, three 450s and two 250Fs, so a full stable from the JGR guys. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we'll we'll get into some of their finishes from the 450 class uh, after these messages from... Of course, my friends over at uh, FMF, but also the collective experience. We'll be right back here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action in the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entick-Knapp, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com as well as the collective ex on instagram is where you can find the collective experience do so immediately the collective experience nobody gets you closer what's wrong jeff i don't know jay well you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran oats and bran i didn't think there was such a thing that's what i used to think now i start out every morning with a bowl of amigos for extreme kids like us Man, but more than five. 
these Imigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. What's up, guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, B.C., May 25th for the Next Level Tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand-new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have depth-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Still on the line with Dave Drake's Double D himself, his brand new album, Scorpions dropped just last Friday. It's gotten terrible reviews so far, but that's why he's doing my oh, podcast. Uh, and <laughs> yep. we move over to the 450 class, which uh, before we get into the, the the happenings of the races, we got a new points leader. Marvin Muskan now holds a, four, four, a three-point lead over Eli Tomac, who I think would rather be get kicked in the balls repeatedly then go through another weekend like Red Bud. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, that was that was tough to see. So on one hand, congrats to Marvin. We talked about him getting uh, you know, an overall race win um, coming up pretty soon, especially after the Southwick um, pod that we did. You could see that the guy was um, almost had like a little bit of a resurgence in him. He was he was riding more more aggressively, a little bit more confidently, and um, to see that he was uh, he was really really close to uh, to Roxon in the first moto. And uh, held those guys at bay. The second moto just, just really shows that he uh, he's, he's stepped it up a little bit. Um, so hats off to Marvin. Um, I'm excited as a, from a fan perspective that this thing is tightening up a little bit. I don't. I'm not, we're not seeing just one guy run away with it, even though you know it's, it is kind of cool to see this one guy that stands above the rest and puts the work in and, and is triumphant. It's also great to see a, a lot of a lot of mix up in the in the races and, and seeing that tight racing action and almost like that cliffhanger of uh, who's gonna win and what's gonna happen with the point series. Are these guys gonna duke it out? Are they gonna play it safe? It's, it's really cool to see. Um flipping that flipping that coin over and seeing Eli man, it's it is heartbreaking to see uh how his day turned out. Uh you know, everyone just watching him push his bike with the rear end locked up around the track for a 36, I mean, that's, that's tough. It's 
it's really rare that we see guys that are that dominant and that fast have bad days like this. But you know, it's 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 not uncommon. You know, um, you know, Stewart had his his engine lockups and his uh, his issues back in the day, as did Ricky and some of these guys. So, um, yeah, it's it's just tough, man. It's it's not not a good way to not a good way to uh, to go out on the uh, you know Independence Day weekend. And he made maybe what two or three uh, pit stops throughout these races, and it's just it's not a good look for Kawasaki. Absolutely. Uh, Eli Tomac finding his way to the uh, the mechanics area more often than any rider would ever like to in the course of the last two seasons, whether it be brake problems or otherwise. Uh, yeah, the bike quits on in the first moto and then has to come in for some repairs and get the bike straightened out for the second moto. So not a great day. Uh, a, a DNF or a 36th rather, and then uh, a ninth uh, results in um, in something that just is it's a forgettable day. He loses the points lead. He's got we got a, a white number uh, white backgrounds on that bike for the first time all season long in the outdoors. And um, I still think he's your odds-on favorite to win this championship. But I ask you this, Dave: If Marvin Muscan doesn't win Southwick, does he does he win uh, Redbud? Oh, that's tough. I mean, you know, Marvin is a really good rider when it comes to the rough stuff. I mean, you can see it through his lines and the way he hops and skips around. Um, I do think that this sport is like 95% mental, and I can guarantee that that win last weekend gave Marvin a little bit a little bit more confidence, uh, a little extra hitching his giddy up, and um, kind of gave him what he needed to win this weekend. So um, I, I think it I think it definitely helped him more than more than anything. Um, I, I'm going to chuck it up to a yes. I, I think the added confidence and just getting out front of Eli and passing him and stuff like that really, really uh, sparked something inside of him and had him, you know, realize that, you know, I can't run with this guy. He's not superhuman. And uh, I do have what it takes to, uh, to, to, to tighten this thing up a little bit, which, you know, he did. So, yeah. And hats off to Marvin. Since the very first weekend, uh, like, looked off the pace. Same thing with. Uh, Glenn Helen, but he kept chipping away, kept chipping away. Finally, raced raced him hard and close in Colorado. Same thing in High Point, uh, where he was able to. I believe he was able to take a moto there. If he was, was he able to take a moto or not? Yes, he took the uh, first moto. Yeah, first moto took it took it yep. from Eli, and then finally takes another moto uh, at uh, at Muddy Creek. Takes the overall at Southwick, and now with seven rounds down, he's got two uh, two overalls. And uh, I- I'm pretty impressed with him so far. He's finally starting to uh, to really come into his own. Obviously, Eli Tomac has still won the lion's share of the motos and the overall so far this season, and I think is still your odds-on favorite to win this championship but it's so much closer than it was if it be, and and I, I think that's that's great for for fans of motocross we need to have these tight battles right down to the very end like uh, I, I i like you would love to see a perfect season as well it's just something special about watching somebody absolutely just like poetry on a motorcycle and race away from the field every single time. That's something special and uh, I think, I think kind of lucky that we were able to watch three of them over our course of, uh, of being fans of the sport. But uh, hats off to Marvin Muscan, who uh, uh, also uh, was gracious in victory as well as handling uh, some uh, some hand gestures from the fans, which I was uh, very disappointed to see. I, being Canadian, yeah. I obviously can't speak for the American side of things, but I, uh, 
regardless of what flag you happen to be wearing on as a shirt for that particular day, you can hold your head in shame in the fact that uh, this is athlete with unbelievable, unworldly talent decides to bring his talent, his abilities to your entertainment venue. That would be like saying that, uh, like, like a, a world class, um, like, uh, guitarist would play. Uh, a, a stadium in uh, in New York, and they boo and they give that guy the finger because he's taking the uh, uh, a, a tour date that would have otherwise been taken by a, an American um, uh, an American act. And then this, this guy brings his talents to the states and 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 lets uh, North American fans watch them on basically a weekend by weekend basis. And I just hats off to a guy like that. Like it's. Like uh, you, you move your entire existence. You take on a set, another language, and uh, get completely outside your comfort zone to chase your dreams. And someone uh, throws a middle finger in your in your face for the process. I think that's kind of shitty. Yeah, I mean, that's as uh, as cool it is as it is to um, to kind of you know go to Redbud and 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 see the uh, the patriotism and stuff like that. It's really it can turn really ugly really quick. I mean. Um, it, that was just really embarrassing to see. I mean, you know, as an American, seeing some, you know, seeing someone do that to uh, to an athlete who kind of, you know, who calls the U.S. home now, who's embraced our culture yeah. and and our and our nation as his own, uh, you know, and and has nothing but respect for for U.S. fans and, uh, um, you know, and I'm sure he considers himself just a French American, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it 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 sucked, man. That that's really um that's that's really embarrassing. That guy should feel horrible for what he did, and um. And you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. You know he's uh, he 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 could have kept racing in Europe and kept making a crap ton of money. Yeah. Um, you know he could Stay have kept winning in the two fifties. Being and, in you know in France, and yeah, eating baguettes, exactly. and not owning <laughs> yep. land in in Florida or uh, spending money in the, like the the American like uh, the. The economy, like the guy, the guy's contributing. The guy's performing, exactly. and and and, exactly. and and for his efforts, he gave him the finger. And I realize that it has a lot to do with uh, with the move on Eli. And uh, like, if if you want to, like, like you know what? As fans, you can do whatever the hell you want, really. But um, yeah. that being said, maybe choose not to do that. You want to boo him? Fine, boo him. I I don't know if like if I see a camera rolling by. I would be embarrassed for myself if I was that person, and I guarantee, like around that, like if that, like most people who go to outdoor nationals are members of that local community, and I guarantee, like everyone from that area knows who that is, and are like he's 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 not uh, walking with his head held high this week or maybe no, a few weeks after this. You can't exactly. You can't. Yeah, it's. It's it's a real shame, man. It, it really sucks to see that, and um, you know, I know Stewart dealt with that a couple of years ago, and yeah. uh, you know, I think Rick, Ricky had an incident like that where somebody, you know, a bunch of fans were flipping them off and storming oh, and stuff booed like that. Bad in in, in, uh, in two thousand two, when like exactly basically it dethroned the, the the king, and then he was like kind of. I yep. think they had him come out like it was not his idea, but they had him come out in like a like a king's like wardrobe with a crown and the whole nine and like 
I don't think oh, anyone boy. is a big fan of that. And people can boo, honestly. If you're not happy with what you see, you can you can yell and whatever like that. But uh, I, I find like uh, if someone's willing to um, to perform for me like the way these guys do, nothing but uh, uh, a round of applause for these guys. But uh, we've been onto the 450 yep. class for literally like 10 minutes. All we've talked about is how awesome Marv is, how shitty a day that Eli had, and we haven't <laughs> mentioned. That for the first time in almost two, in over two almost two years, Ken Roxon has won a moto. Yeah, Handed to him or not, really the guy cool. came across him first. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, and we, we talked about it a little uh, a little bit. I think it was at Glen Helen uh, pod we did where um, Kenny looks like he he was ready. He was ready for a win almost immediately. You know, he came out swinging. He wasn't wasn't scared uh, of the pressure from Tomac. Um, he was he showed he wasn't scared of new skin and, and, and the rest of the top 450 guys. Um, and, you know, even though he had a little bit of help, quote-unquote, with, um, with Eli's uh, you know, bike malfunction DNF, um, still he put himself up there to, to best Marvin Luskin, who won the overall and is arguably one of the best riders in the world. Uh, he was ahead of Barsha, who's super talented and really, really good at Redbud, uh, ahead of a Bagged and all these other guys. So um, hats off to him, especially DNF, I'm sure, his arms are like 90% metal at this point. Um, the guy still can ride a motorcycle amazingly. He, he put his head down. He was super consistent. Didn't let, um, didn't let the race get away from him too much. He didn't look back like, you know, most guys who haven't had a win in a while, you know, do when they get out front, they start panic, you know, panic mode and, and stuff like that. But, uh, he rode an awesome race and, and it's, it's really good to, good to see that Ken is capable of winning. And we've got yet another guy who can kind of sneak in and, and take some wins away and, and make this thing that much more exciting. And we'll say it over and over again as race fans. That's exactly what we want to see. For sure. And I, I was really impressed with it. Obviously, uh, a horrible start from uh, from Marv and Justin Barsha. Hats off to them, for those guys, to literally slash through the entire field yeah. in, a, in, in some pretty short order, I might add. And the... Like you as well as I know, when you go to these outdoor nationals, the way the field gets so spread out, it's in, it's incredible to think that someone would, would not only be able to move through the pack, but then also basically be consistently catching the guys at the front. Like um, if you come through on the first lap anywhere outside the top thirty, you're honestly giving up like twenty, twenty five seconds to the guys at the front of the pack, and and yep. those guys are moving too, like they're. They're moving away from you as you're trying to dice through the field. So, uh, Marvin Muscat, a 2-1. If you just looked at the results, you'd be like, oh, wow, you probably got like a half-decent start. Kenny outraced him or something along those lines. But literally, Marvin Muscat had to pass just about everybody on the track. Pretty impressive. Just exactly. Barsha. And the way he yeah. did it was awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he, cut, he cut through where most guys would have gotten hung up and had and fallen guys. This guy was thinking three corners ahead, you know, five riders ahead, and just the way he was he was dicing through them, it made it look like he was racing a bunch of 50 riders, you know, towards the back of the pack. So, yeah, it was it was really cool to see that. Absolutely. And then on top of that, Justin Barsha, after slashing through the field in the first moto, saved his best for last, literally the last lap of the day, tired, beat down, like you know he's got to be feeling it. 
and uh, oh, just decides to uh, drop his times and find a way past uh, Ken Roxon, who might be one of the hardest uh, athletes in the pits to uh, to complete a pass on. Who's he's just an absolute cerebral rider. He knows where everyone's going. He's got eyes in the back of his head. Yeah, Justin Barsha able to uh, uh, secure his uh, the third spot on the podium by uh, taking second place in that second moto. Yep, exactly. Um, I I think I think Barsha uh, kind of uh, kind of found his stride uh, in the later half of the races. Um, you know, he he did come through um, the pack with with Marvin and and uh, and, and had that uh, that that really masterful path on everybody. Um, but I, um, I, I do think that towards the later half of the race is when he really kind of shined. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pumped with the top three from Barsha, but given how, you know, we, how we've seen him ride in the past at this place, um, along with, you know, the, the comfort that he's shown in the bike right now, I really expected him to get like a second or, or actually maybe like a win, not the overall, but at least maybe a win. Um, so, I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I'm let down, but I kind of had the expectation of Barsha. Um, it just goes to show how well he's been riding towards, you know, the beginning of the year and Supercross and everything like that, getting more, more comfy on his bike. So, um, yeah, hats off for, for a top three. Um, really good to see a, a Yamaha poking in and, and getting a getting a podium finish. You know, I feel, I feel like we're only seeing uh, the green and orange up there and now a little bit of that with Kenny. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a good ride. And, you know, hopefully this podium carries on to, uh, you know, second place, maybe, maybe a win before the season's out. I just know that he has to uh, he has to really put his head down, and he can't he can't go down the starts anymore like uh, him and Marvin did. You know he's got to minimize those and get out front, grab those good starts like he normally does, and um, and try to check out on these guys. Absolutely, all, all three uh, top three different manufacturers. You double up on KTM's with uh, with Baggett in fifth, but actually it's pretty impressive. Uh, like if, if you if you were able to uh, push uh, maybe Baggett out of that top six. Uh, into uh, and 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 you'd literally have every manufacturer at the front of the races. So, uh, so like pretty pretty tight racing between the manufacturers at the front of the pack. Shout out to uh, a, a fifth place overall. Two sixes are good for a sixth overall from Phil Nicoletti. A kind of a get right day for him after a couple of dismal performances uh, as his emergence with the. Uh, the Husqvarna team that he's still getting accustomed to, but uh, for Blake Baggett, one whole shot, two small crashes, uh, actually one big crash, one small crash, and uh, and two fifth place finishes are good for fourth. Baggett is uh, definitely, definitely uh, one of one of the the toughest riders out there. Um, I, I, it it kind of goes back to us about Barsha. The the way that Baggett is capable of riding at these rougher tracks, I expected him to be in the podium this weekend for sure, without mm-hmm. without question. I would have if you if you would have bet me a hundred bucks, I would have taken it that he would have been in the podium. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he definitely got held up a little bit and um, seemed like he had a, a you know some issues in the second moto with the, with starts and, and stuff like that. So um, I think he did get the get a good start in the first one. So uh, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully we're seeing that. This this pattern kind of kind of continue with him climbing a little bit higher and higher and higher. Uh, I like I said before, I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the equipment to run in a top three with these guys, and it's it's not impossible to think that he couldn't battle with a Ken Roxon or or Justin Barcher every weekend and 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 fight those guys for the you know second and third spots. So uh, I, I expect a little bit more out of out of Baggett, and I hope that uh, you know before the season's out, he can he can really uh, nail off a couple podium finishes. 
Absolutely. No, I think he's probably the fastest guy on the track that has not yet won a moto, which means he's probably due for one. So uh, if you're yep. if you're playing fantasy moto, uh, you know that he goes fast at Millville, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, great ride in the second moto from Justin Hill. He gets, he ends up going uh, 10-4. I uh, got a pretty, pretty, like, he got the whole shot in the second moto, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Cooper Webb continues his comeback, vice it nice and steady, 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, I, I expect uh, after the break to uh, that guy to be cracking top five finishes, but that, that'll start to mean that there's we're starting to find some depth in the 450 class. We've been mentioning all year how it's pretty pretty lean on talent, yeah. but uh, but now it's like uh, the with some serious like your your Blake Baggett to uh, to Cooper Webb fourth through seventh, and you can I guess you can include uh, Benny Bloss and Weston Pike in that mix. Like those guys are all in the same speed uh, roughly, and um, it'll all depend on uh, start and and who's feeling it on each moto where those guys will shake out. Exactly. Uh, I think uh, I think um, Benny's kind of had Benny and uh, Baggett kind of had maybe the upper hand in some cases, especially Benny with that uh, with that third moto and uh, sorry third third place finish in moto one. Um, he looked really really good, and for a guy that hasn't spent much time up front in the top three, he looked extremely comfortable. So um, I, I I definitely think Benny's got got more in the tank for us, and he he could make this a regular occurrence. Um, but but yeah, the the fifth through through ninth is uh, it, it's it's pretty stacked. We, we were kind of lacking this earlier in the season, and it's nice to see some guys coming back and some guys you know pulling up more towards the front and and making this making this a lot deeper. So it, it only adds to the excitement is for for us as fans and uh, and kind of mixes it up a little bit. I mean, you right now it, it it might be impossible to pick who's going to be you know fourth through seventh. It's just going to be you know, the same group of riders getting just jumbled up right now. And, um, it, it, like you said, it comes down to starts and whoever, whoever feels good that day is going to get the, uh, the top finish there. Fair enough. And so it's pretty safe to say that, uh, uh, it doesn't matter if Justin Hill or Justin Bogle gets a start or not. Uh, he, he's, uh, the, he's not ready to compete, um, at the level that he needs to, uh, it, it's really unfortunate. I uh, like I like it. There's not a whole lot of positives you can take from a 24-18 on the day. It's not where he's he, he. That's not where he wants to be. That's not where he's he's meant to be. Um, and uh, it's just get like I, I I like because of the secrecy of the sport of motocross. Uh, it's uh, unless I get this guy on the phone to uh, to kind of di- to kind of unpack this whole thing. You just gotta like kind of sit there and scratch your head that uh, we've been we've been wa- looking at photos and video of Justin Rate riding and, and preparing for about like eight nine weeks now, and uh, the finishes aren't there. I got to imagine there's something physically holding him back uh, because we're talking about a guy that's won overalls. This is, like he's he's won motos it, it, only one year ago. Twenty four eighteen is not that guy. No. Definitely, definitely not. Um, it, it seems as though it's it's definitely a um, like pace and stamina related. I, I mean, once you know he, he gets up front, he can lead a lap or so, but uh, he starts to kind of stay back when he's almost in his head a little bit, and he has a hard time picking up decent lines. And uh, I think keeping pace with these guys for that whole um, you know the that that initial sprint speed um, from like you know the 
the first ten minutes or so. I, I think he he seems to be struggling with that. For you know, a, a guy like you said that that has won before and that can ride with these guys and is on a factory bike and you know he's he's a title holder in the two fifty class. You know he's got the talent. He, he's got the speed for it, but he's just not showing it. So um, I'd be just as curious as you to find out. You know what's what's holding this guy back? Is it uh, is it is it uh, physical? Is it more of a mental block from him just being hurt? You know, time after time again, it doesn't appear to be his bike because you know we see some of the other Suzuki guys like you know Hill and Pike. There are um, three Suzukis in the top ten. Yeah, exactly. They're they're making that bike work for them, and that bike looks great. If there's um if there's one bike that doesn't seem to be you know making any any wrong moves, it's, it's that Suzuki. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's tough, man. I if you if you can get the guy on the phone and, and, and have a conversation, I'd be. More than uh, more than keen to listen in, man. Because uh, I think I'm going to try and do kind of, that. Kind of a mystery, definitely kind of a mystery. For sure, like it's it's disappointing because you know, it's not like I'm mad at at Justin Bogle, and I'm not like like shit talking the guy. I just know that he's capable of better. Like exactly, it's this this is this is a a, a, a top athlete in the sport. He's won championships on the little bike, not outdoors, but in, yep. and uh, and he's he's won outdoor nationals overalls. There's cert, there's plenty of uh, of of top level. Um, guys in the sport, athletes in the sport, even recently, that you can't say that about. They don't have a, uh, an overall win, and and those guys are are finishing well ahead of them. Like it, your your buddy, two two guys that could have been uh, a participant with the, uh, the the collective experience ended up both motos ahead of uh, of Justin Bogle, and like yeah. That's just a huge bummer. Like I'm not even like it's. I like say I I'll just cut myself off there. But it's just a bummer to see the guy that you know has the speed. He knows he's got the speed. He knows he's got the talent. He's just not doing it. Exactly. And it's got to be something that's holding him back. It's not. It's not something who's like, oh, he just doesn't have the speed anymore. Like I gotta think that there's like I know he's had some head injuries in the past and something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like he's 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 dealing with some like equilibrium problems. Some inner ear problems, or maybe some dizziness, or like double vision, something along those lines. Like I don't want to just start prognosis, like, like just guessing at, uh, at what's wrong with him, but it's got to be something along those lines. It's something that uh, that that hasn't come out. Um, and, and all these guys are tough as nails. They all like they battle through injuries that you never hear about. Like literally, like at the end of David Willman's career, like oh yeah, I raced my entire career with a without an ACL, and you're like what? <laughs> yeah, like things that like other like other sports you wouldn't even consider doing it. But yeah, like uh, wrestling a motorcycle uh, around a track uh, like every Saturday night for for ten years. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, these guys are these guys are definitely definitely uh, Iron Men for sure. Yes, um, sir. Yeah, you, you brought it up before when you have privateers, you know, kind of beating this guy, and it's weird because. You see him in, in practice videos, and he looks awesome. You know, he looks like he hasn't lost a, a, a lick of speed. He looks like he's he's been racing with these guys the whole the whole season long. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's just when he gets in race conditions where something kind of clicks for him or doesn't click, and he just gets, you know, in his own head, or or maybe it is like an actual physical thing. Like maybe he does need more time to recover from those those uh, concussions that he's had because he's had a couple that were stacked up relatively close to one another. So. 
I mean, it, it, it could be a number of things, but um, he needs to get to the bottom of it. And not talking bad about him, like you said before, I, I think it's just we expect him to be a certain place um, on the track. And, you know, we're all fans. We all want to see the guy do great. You know, he's, he's a talented rider. I mean, hell, he gave us leg swag. You know, he changes for it a little bit. Um, great guy to watch ride. And uh, when, he's, when he's not up there, it's, uh, it, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's definitely uh, it's almost not normal. Absolutely. I think that's going to be my mission for the week is to get that guy on the phone. Hopefully he's not a listener and he's just completely blocked me at this point. But uh, if, if, you're listen- if you're listening, which I guarantee you're not, Justin, I love you and I want you to do better. I know you're capable of it. And uh, let's talk about uh, what, what's, what's ailing you because uh, it's got to be something, brother. But uh, and, and if you're you're close to him and, and and you know Justin, just uh, reach out to that guy and, and let him know that he, like Brad wants to give him a hug, and uh, and 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 only good things are coming his way. But uh, Dave, it's getting way past your bedtime, far, far past my bedtime. I have to be uh, up and laying bricks in. Uh, and it's just about six hours from now, so uh, or seven oh, wow. seven hours yeah. from now. So uh, we'll, we'll cut it off right around here. And of course, we always uh, hang up on the podcast and then uh, do a bunch of shit talking after that. So most people don't get to hear <laughs> that. But uh, I appreciate the time, my friend. And uh, for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there. 